Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're tuned to Future Sense here on Bay FM with myself, Nick Jean, Steve McDonald, my co-host, and our good friend, Mitch Schultz, the Texan elf who is visiting here. I think this is your last week here, isn't it, uh, Mitch, because you're going back to Texas next Monday, I do well, believe. Well, California first, and California. then back to Texas, and yeah. I, I, I might sneak in next Monday before I leave, Excellent. so uh, well, if you guys will have me back. Well, I think we'll have you back. And you're going to California for the Groff documentary work, so oh, right? yeah. yeah, they're going to be coming out Stanislav doing Groff. a mm. private screening with the... Uh, with Stan Groff and his his wife Brigitte, and uh, then there'll be a private mm. breathwork section in um, in Oakland. Excellent. So. When will that uh, film be available out here? Do you have any idea yeah, about that? Yeah, we're we're looking at releasing. We'll probably start with community screenings this summer, and then do a full release this fall of 2020. Mm. So we'll look at doing another tour, like tour of Australia from Choctaw. So. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we're talking now about uh, multi-dimensional awareness, uh, Steve. Where are we going to start today? We are indeed. So. Awareness of multiple dimensions of reality is something that's always been present for humanity and I want to start the discussion just by giving a brief summary of different states of consciousness and, and I'm drawing on uh, Ken Wilber's work here and what Ken is famous for is looking at all of the great traditions throughout history and how they explain these kinds of things and then summarise them quite nicely. And uh, we've got... Um, one, two, three, four, five different states of consciousness uh, here. The first one is the gross state or the waking state, which we're in right now. And uh, some people, of course, are born with certain talents to be able to tap into other states of consciousness when they're in the waking state. And we know them as psychics or mediums and those sorts of things. So I guess everybody experiences the gross waking state. Some, a, a small percentage of people have certain talents that allow them to tap into other states of consciousness while they're awake which is quite interesting and always seems to have been the case and then the next state of consciousness is the subtle state or the dream state which again we're all familiar with we all sleep and we all dream at certain times and in the subtle state it seems to be extremely similar to the waking state of consciousness in other words the kind of stuff that we dream about is very much similar to the kind of things that we experience when we're awake and and sometimes we seem to be obviously processing real events during our dreams and other times we have dreams which come through as being markedly different in terms of their clarity and and seeming to carry a message often Uh, but again all of us have that experience and then the third state of consciousness going deeper further is what's known as as the causal or deep sleep state so uh, sometimes this is described as deep dreamless sleep, which again is is kind of by definition difficult to recall because there's nothing really to recall there. Mm. But it's also the causal state where we are said to encounter archetypal figures. So whereas in mm. the, the subtle or dream state we're encountering personalities which are very, very similar to the personalities that we encounter in the street and in everyday life, the archetypal encounters in the causal uh, or deep sleep state 
represent archetypal themes. So here we might encounter uh, God figures from certain religions that are said to represent certain qualities, like, for example, Ganesh, mm. uh, who represents being the, the sort of... Um, remover of obstacles. Remover of obstacles, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, angelic figures, yes. but, but figures that represent a kind of archetypal mm. theme. Greek gods, perhaps. Yeah. depends on your personal history and mythology, perhaps. No doubt what you've read, what you've experienced in your life. Exactly, mm. exactly. So that that's the third state. And going deeper still, we have have what's known as the empty witnessing state where we seem to be one step removed from what's going on yet we're witnessing it in a sort of uh, um, almost a disconnected way where we're not actually immersed in the emotional experience Mm. of what's going on but we're witnessing and being able to notice and and become aware of whatever's going on around us which is the goal of lots of meditation and mindfulness practice absolutely it is yeah uh, and then uh, the deepest state is often called uh, unity consciousness or unitive consciousness. And by definition, it's really impossible to describe, but it involves the experience of becoming one with everything, basically. Uh, and uh, to, to the point where there is no observer to observe because it's just everything, all is one thing. And that space, of course, is, I guess, the dissolution completely of, of the ego, of the id, of, and yes. identification with anything, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, which exactly. is a, can be a very terrifying state, and, and yet at the same time it can be an opening to extraordinary states of consciousness and awarenesses of the self in yeah. a different way, different perspective, completely. That's right. Some people use the terminology non-dual consciousness, yeah. which, which I find quite problematic. Um, Why? Because, because the, people talk about operating in the non-dual state, uh, I mean, for starters, if it's if they're trying to describe the unity of state of consciousness, you can't talk about it. <laughs> it's you know the the Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. Uh, paradox, paradox, paradox. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think what a lot of people mean when they say the non-dual state, they mean empty witnessing, that capacity to to take a a separate and disaffected viewpoint of what's going on. Well, how can it be a pair? How can if it be a pair if there's one. only one? Exactly. That came up on the weekend, actually. Right. <laughs> oh? Yes. That's right. It's a, it's a long story, but there was a pair involved, as in a piece of fruit. Uh, oh, a pair. Okay. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very symbolic a pair. I love that. Exactly. Mm. Get to the core of things, I guess, with those sort of fruits, don't you? Exactly. Well, I didn't get the core out. You didn't of get the core out of the bear. issue. You know? Ah, uh, see. Yeah, so mining into the core. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Metaphor upon metaphor. And I think it was it you that offered me the pair. It was. <laughs> he said, "Here, have a pair." And I said, "How can it be a pair if there's only one?" <laughs> anyway, that's another story. Yes. So that's the solution to the dual, non-dual exactly, problem of folks out there who've been chasing Vita forever. Uh, here you go. There you go. Exactly. Hmm. So, so yeah, we've just run through there the, the basic descriptions of uh, you know, a summary of different states of consciousness, mm. gross or waking state, subtle or dream state, the causal or archetypal realm, empty witnessing, and then unitive consciousness. And that, that structure, it's a good guideline, and it fits with pretty well, actually, with uh, you know, what most of the great traditions around the world teach in terms of different realms of consciousness. And so our discussion today is about human awareness of these different realms of consciousness, and particularly the amount of awareness we can have in the waking state. That's, that's a, I think, a particularly important focus. Okay. Yeah. And the reason that we're talking about that is because if we look through the first tier of consciousness, we can look and see how that awareness changes and expands as we go through the different layers, up through the different layers. Mm. And then it becomes particularly important in the transition between first and second tier because there's a marked increase uh, in 
multidimensional awareness as we move into second tier consciousness mm. and we can look at and we'll talk about layer six which is the preparation of this foundation for the momentous leap or the great leap in the second tier and and how a whole lot of things in layer six point our attention towards that kind of stuff mm. and that uh, well i won't go ahead but as you're speaking of course that uh, that second tier the beginning of second tier consciousness for the first time uh, creates a capacity is a capacity which encompasses all those previous layers from the first tier yeah in a way that sources what is valuable what is not true but what is valuable in those as part of the of the greater awareness of the second tier as it's emerging so it's not an either or situation it's actually inclusive of that's right and all the value systems of course being nested uh, within yeah. one another so each new value system is like a layer being put over the previous one and so we get an accumulated understanding that comes from building these layers of consciousness and each different layer brings a, a certain expansion on what was already there and different perspectives as well uh, so we might uh, take a short break and then we'll come back and just work through the first tier layers of consciousness and look at multidimensional awareness and how they play out mm. there. You're tuned to BFM. You are on Future Sense here on BFM out of Byron Shire and listening maybe online anywhere in the world at bfm.org or at uh, to our uh, edited podcasts uh, in your podcast platform situation or through futuresense.it. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense, here on BayFM. You are tuned to Future Sense here with Nick Jean, Steve McDonald, and our guest Mitch Schultz. It's 9.59 here, and thanks for joining us wherever you are listening from in the world. Uh, yes, we're going to be talking now a bit, uh, going to go through some of the, the layers and the uh, the... the multi-dimensional awarenesses that uh, and how it shows up in these different layers yeah looking at the first tier so uh, we're talking about the realm of spirit spirituality in religion I guess in conventional terms but also in the back of our mind we're just uh, aware of our growing scientific understanding of quantum mechanics and the quantum realm and how much of our stories and, and ideas that we've come up historically around spirituality and religion are really ways of us trying to make sense of the strange nature of this physical reality and, to re and it's, it's in our interaction with the quantum realm. So starting out at the first layer of consciousness in Claire Graves' model, which was a hunter-gatherer type of uh, human being, uh, we don't have a lot of solid evidence from them because we're talking about pre-written history here and we're also dealing with a period that was mostly before um, our earliest uh, you know decent historical records and quite possibly subject to the destruction of a lot of historical evidence due to various uh, cataclysms on the planet as well particularly i'm thinking of the the younger dryas uh, comet impact event mm. which happened around 10,800 uh, bc um, so we don't have a lot of good evidence. We've got, you know, rock carvings. We've got some really unusual megalithic buildings, which we probably couldn't build today, uh, dating back to that kind of period, uh, we, we think anyway. Uh, and some strange stories from the evidence we do have in, in pictures and cave paintings and those sorts of things of um, beings that were known as star people or sky people. Mm. And I think... You know, this is part of the reason why we have a lot of trouble figuring out the 
the nature of some of the messages that have managed to be carried forward from those times, you know, mostly in oral history. Um, although, strictly speaking, our oral histories don't stretch back, as far as we know anyway, mm-hmm. into that hunter-gatherer period. But some of the, some of the really strange things, like, uh, again, the, the megalithic builders kind of stuff, um, the, the stories that do relate to that period, which, which is really from the next layer of consciousness in the tribal period uh, around uh, the seven sages, you know, appearing in many, many different cultures who, who seem to have magical powers, mm. seem, to be able, seem to be able to travel in very effective and unusual ways sometimes known as flying and those sorts of things mm. and I, I personally it's it's becoming more and more evident to me that our understanding of these earliest layers of consciousness and the and particularly the historical evidence there um is isn't clear yet and it's something that we really need to unpack further and as i've mentioned many times on the show freddie silver has done a great job of starting to do that in his recent book the missing lands mm. And I think we've got a lot more to learn about our early history and also the, the possibility of uh, extraterrestrial contact during that period. But from um, coming back to a sort of more mainstream mindset, uh, we don't have a lot of evidence of the, our spiritual understanding at the early hunter-gatherer stage. We've got cave paintings, um, some of which show animals in kind of X-ray uh, mm, vision yes. version. You know, some which show beings with strange halos, possibly mm. spacesuits. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, mysteries, mysterious carvings uh, depicting flying vehicles. Uh, even you know, I've been um, told personally by a healer from Central Australia uh, about some carvings there of uh, flying machines depicted mm-hmm. in the local area out around uh, Alice Springs, mm-hmm. East McDonald Ranges. There, and that was well before Pine Gap. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we, we can't put much together there except to say that it's very mysterious and I think we've got a lot more to unpack uh, as we go forward. But looking at the, the next layer of consciousness, which is traditional tribalism, we know for sure that there was generally an animistic approach to spirituality mm. there. So there was a, a belief that there was a multidimensional consciousness which existed within everything. Mm. And usually it was given uh, an animistic nature. Yes. So, um, so plants and animals basically represented, in a sense, yeah, those, so, so these uh, those were, deeper layers that are uh, inherent there. Exactly. All these things were animated with a spirit. And medicines developed during this time to allow us to access deeper states of consciousness while we're awake. Uh, so really accessing the, the waking dream kind of... Uh, state where we are awake but we can get into the dream state and even perhaps into the causal state as well where we're interacting with archetypal beings and those sorts of things uh, yet being awake thanks to the the use of um, you know deep meditative practices and And most of those in that era and tribes uh, was was the governance or the province of the shamans or the leaders so it was not always distributed amongst the tribe. I mean, in some cases, yes, of course, maybe that's an evolution you can speak to, but yeah. initially that sort of sacred, secret uh, access to those multidimensional realms was usually with the shamans that identified the leaders of the, of the tribes and so forth, and then the wisdom was dispensed and uh, direction for the tribe would emerge from that. Yeah, often that was the case. Mm. And, and so sometimes it would be that person who would access the other state and then report yeah. uh, and pass on messages. Mm. And sometimes that person would facilitate others, you know, perhaps 
during initiation ceremonies and those sorts of things yeah. of entering into these altered states. And it's not so much the the access to or the depth of the altered state that's important here as the value set and the mindset that was used to explain the experience. Okay. Uh, and we can see as we go through the layers, we'll, we can see how those mm. those value sets flavoured the way that we interpreted whatever we experienced there. Mm. And and typically in the tribal state, what we experienced was similar to a tribe where it was a tribe of spirits who lived in different things and they interacted with us in very similar ways to the way that our family and our tribe interacted mm. with us in the waking state. Mm. And then as we move into the third layer of um, values, uh, according to Claire Graves' model, this is the what he called egocentric, which is very much about power and very much from a, a mindset of conflict where all of life was some kind of power struggle. And this reflects the fact that we broke out of the tribal structure where the power structure was very clearly laid out. You know, there was a head of the tribe and there were elders and, and there were the tribal members. Uh, and But now with uh, the emergence of layer three, we literally broke out of those tribal structures, broke out of the tribal boundaries in terms of the physical land, and then had to basically come up with a new structure for ourselves, which reflected the reality of life. And the reality of life was that we, because we left our tribal boundary, we were in conflict with other people on their land, and we were using our power to take their resources. Uh, and uh, and so our spiritual construct reflected that yeah. and all of a sudden we were dealing with spirits who were combative mm. that we had to battle against mm. uh, and and that eventually in the early in the sort of transition period between layer three and layer four um, where layer four brought the structured gods and structured religions yeah. uh, as as we sort of transitioned out of the egocentric power driven phase and into that the gods started to become powerful and they mm. would throw lightning bolts at us mm. and and it's strike us down sometimes yeah. for no reason just because they wanted to apparently it's interesting that as you speak here yeah, right it's interesting as you're speaking there the uh, the evolution through layer three as you're saying into layer four you're just talking about there uh, that the Viking gods, the Greek gods, probably emerged in those periods and became militaristic as a reflection of a justification for yeah, the activities sure. of that, uh, that, and then emerged into the more structured in layer four, uh, as you said, the the the, the, uh, the god or the god, usually the god, the male god who sits above, dispenses the uh, the tablets, the wisdom, and that's how you're supposed to live. That's it, mm. and, and usually didn't shave, had a big beard. Yeah, usually had a big beard, <laughs> yeah. which is well, curious. Well, another thing that's interesting here too, I mean, we're talking about this as a species level thing, but as you mentioned many times here, is that the personal level and the correlation mm. there, and so you can just do a thought experiment as we're uncovering these, thinking about yourself as a child, and as each one of these states start to unfold, and you're getting more and more information in your own life, uh, I'm just imagining my own dreams when I was a kid, some of them felt very animistic and um, outside, and then you start to add these different layers to it. Mm. Um, so bringing it back to the personal, I guess, a little mm. bit too, as we're talking about that on the species level, mm. but on, on a personal level can help kind of wrap some context around that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's, it's always good to bounce backwards and forwards between that individual experience mm. and the, the big picture as well and see the, the common patterns in there. Cosmic ping pong. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and so wins. <laughs> yeah. So as you said, Nick, moving into layer four, we have the structure of religions, and this is when we, all of the, the major religions that we have on the planet now emerged during that time, and it was a time where uh, large-scale agriculture allowed us to come together and live in large settlements and you know all of the great sort of civilizations that we talk about. Um, 
were, were developing during that time. And because we were living together in close quarters, we had extra time on our hands because we weren't taken up hunting and gathering all the time. We, we could just get food at the market and that gave us time to do other things like invent philosophy and that kind of stuff. And we had to have quite a structured arrangement with our fellow human beings in order to live okay in that you know densely packed um, kind of civilization. And so w- there were rule sets and there was a requirement for rule sets. And again, that everyday life experience shaped how we told our religious stories and our religious stories were of gods who had a list of rules that we had to follow. And, uh, and you can see how that was a really good mechanism for um, maintaining a peaceful society yes. was telling everybody, okay, there's this God mm. and he hears his rules and you've got to follow them otherwise, mm. you'll be in trouble. And, and if you do follow them and you, when you die, you, you go to heaven or you'll... Get a gold watch. Exactly, yeah. you get the gold watch, finally. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was told. That. <laughs> yeah, really? It's a bit passe, the gold watch now, isn't it? You need yeah. something a bit more uh, high, bit more sort of augmented intelligence for you. Well, it's than, interesting than talking watch. about this, this transition mm. here too, from three to four, but even at four, I've been watching uh, Vikings. Okay. And they're playing back and forth with how the Viking culture starts to get to Europe and and their you know their conversation back and forth between the Christian church and the Catholic church with the Viking culture um, and how they saw the gods and what that meant and you know whether that was a predetermined fate that was there or whether we had this free will and uh, some of the dialogue that they get into is very interesting mm-hmm. and, and very telling too I think on how these cultures come together and start to there's common similar uh, there's similarities within all that but then there's slight tweaks on how they're understanding what that god is or who that god is mm, or mm, goddesses so yeah vikings is a netflix um, series is nothing it's available on netflix it's on netflix yeah, yeah it's yeah. available on netflix and, and bearing in mind too it's also a, a program that's been produced by current Only values <laughs> right, right, and yeah. current values idea of what the values might have been right, back right. then so uh, you know it's going to have a flavor of, of layer uh, six and yes. layer five in it as well <laughs> love uh, it yeah and so uh, we got up to layer four, structured uh, religion, and uh, because of the rigid rule sets, there there was probably, maybe for the first time in history, who knows, but a bit of a crackdown on alternative access to multi-dimensions, and some of them were ah, for, for, forbidden, right? Burn the witches. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And, and the suppression mm. of pagan practices. Yes, yes. And, uh, the druids. Totally. And, you know, this merger that happened during that layer four period between politics and religion uh, for purposes of controlling populations and those Oh, it goes that far back, does it? Yeah, oh. uh, absolutely, it does. <laughs> And so often when, for example, the Christian church moved into a a new country which had been conquered by whatever, the Romans or whatever, um, they would actually take over the old pagan sacred sites and build a church on top of it, which which would absolutely stop the local pagans from doing what they normally did on that site uh, because the church was on top of it, uh, and then prohibit and sometimes even Mm. kill them if they continue to practice their old ways. We were talking last week about uh, ley lines, dragon lines, and, and those things. And, of course, many of those, particularly in Europe and the, and the UK, were built on these uh, nodal points along these dragon lines, these ley lines. And whether the Christians knew that or not, they probably did. So, they, in a sense, they appropriated the energy by, yeah. by doing that, yeah, by building yeah. on top of those sites. Yeah. So, so you had this unusual thing that happened there. What happened was these old practices, what you, the church would call pagan practices, mm. like earth-based religions, yeah. Of course, people who had grown up practicing those things didn't want to give them up for some god that foreigners had, you know, tried to force on them. So, mm. so they continued to practice underground. And we also saw the development over time of mystical 
arms of the major religions mm. and so you had you know mystical sort of groups forming within Christianity mm. and Islam and those sorts of things. Knights Templar. Uh, yeah, the Knights Templar, the, the Sufis mm. uh, and, uh, and other different groups w within different religious uh, contexts. Just as an aside on that, it occurs to me why so much of that is still somewhat suppressed. I mean, there's many of us who read and uh, understand a bit of this, some of this. Many people are very interested in these areas of these sort of secret societies, so to speak, within the, under the auspices of the major religions, for example. Um, why is why is it why are they so still invisible somehow to most people and it's just not not part of the authentic or the uh, you know the the known history that we that we give credence to generally speaking there are probably a number of reasons mm. one of them certainly is that the the churches the structured churches who came to be uh, hierarchies of, like dominant hierarchies of power and part of the the political religious uh, alliance mm. was um, in order to control the population uh, basically bringing this power element into religion whereby the only way that you could access these other realms and you know get wisdom church. dispensed and mm. you know your wishes granted and all this your prayers answered all this kind of stuff was through the church the blood and flesh of christ and, and that meant that you had to go to the church you yeah. had to do what the priest told you to you had to donate to the church and all those sorts yes. of things so i think power is a big part of it yes but but also in order to uh, reinforce that power there was a lot of fear created around uh, these other practices that sat outside the church's uh, domain um, and at some point someone invented this guy called Satan um, who who really you had to watch out for because he was going to come and tempt you away you know and yes, uh, and the whole flipping of the the snake story in the Garden of Eden I mean if you go back mm -hmm. in history to pre-christian times the snake was seen as a as an a representation of the earth energy in fact you know as you said the earth energy lines were, were yeah. called yeah. snakes serpents dragons those yes. sorts of things and therefore the the snake could be a dispenser of wisdom but then that got flipped upside down and the snake became the temptation you know the representation mm. of evil uh, and I, and so i think fear you know was was really had had a lot to do with the fact that these things were suppressed and continue to be suppressed you know people were fearful became fearful of them and didn't want to dally in them and in the process of doing that of disconnecting us from that direct experience of spirituality and that's really what happened with the the structured religions is the the experience of these other realms um you know apart from the the dream state of course it was kind of disconnected and people mm. were discouraged from doing the practices taking the plant medicines all of the things mm. that could connect them to these deeper you know causal and empty witnessing states mm. and unitive states uh, and because people grew up without those practices they didn't know what it was like to to experience those things they you know the skills were lost in mainstream society uh, and then of course people feared it because if they accidentally stumbled into one of those realms and they didn't know anything about it it was pretty damn scary you know whereas if they'd grown up in a civilization where everybody did it you were taught to do it as a kid you would be much more at home and, and comfortable with doing those sorts of things yet being a human being we constantly have that direct relationship and experience um, and whether or not we wander in accidentally we can still embody those and we can still experience that so I would encourage you just to tune up when those moments happen see what's happening in the world very good we'll take a break and come back and uh, and finish talking about uh, the first tier and the relationship to altered states of uh, multi-dimensional and altered states of consciousness you're tuned to future sense with nick jeans and steve mcdonald engage emerge activate 
and spiral up. So on the, the back of the layer four suppression of earth-based spirituality and the very strict rule-based religions that developed out of that, we then moved into layer five where we had a particularly materialistic value system emerge. Yeah. And you can see that the, what went on in layer four with the, the disconnection from the direct experience stuff. So, you know, the, the practice of that was really heavily suppressed. Most people uh, wouldn't be able to engage in it anymore. And then moving into a more materialistic value set in layer five, um, it became uh, even more separating in terms of removing us from, from the old practices that we had back in layers two and three in, in particular. And so uh, it, was a, it was a bit of a spiritual desert uh, during the scientific industrial era and there was even that agreement made you know of, of the sort of separation of uh, religion and science yes uh, around yeah. the time of Descartes where where it was like you guys look after that we'll look after this mm. and so um, really disconnecting the physical body from the spiritual experience you know so it's like cutting the bridge mm. in a way of course Descartes said I think therefore I am I, I always like to turn around the other way I am therefore I think is one thing that I do yeah totally yeah <laughs> yeah look a very weird time very weird time um, and, and we're sort of living with the uh, the handicap that yeah. created from a spiritual and religious point of view there and interestingly also, interestingly also you know with, with the development of science uh, first mainstream science and then quantum mechanics emerging uh, roughly a little over 100 years ago uh, and uh, science suddenly facing all these weird quantum effects, you know, which, which they really couldn't fit into the standard mechanical idea of science. And so the scepticism of layer five was combined with the confusion, you know, of the scientists around the quantum stuff and how do we explain that? And, uh, you know, leading some of our most well-known scientists to, to start making um, suppositions about spiritual reality and, and, you know, as Einstein did yes. and others as well. So, so that was... Mm. That was, all, I guess, it was the during the scientific industrial era. It was the peak of our disconnection mm. from what had been, mm. uh, in terms of multi-dimensional awareness and our practices for accessing that, and then also the the seed of the the beginning of the merger of science and spirituality with the quantum mechanics basically opening the gate to some kind of future merger between the two. Can I bring something up in this era because I'm interested in the fact that uh, while what you're saying of course is suppression of this part of ourselves so to speak, this disconnection occurred where it popped up even in the late or the mid 19th century was in the poets and uh, authors of, of that era Rimbaud, Baudelaire, Verlaine Emile Zola, Oscar Wilde the Byron who uh, who'd like to enjoy absinthe and laudanum, which is related to opium? So it's interesting how th that all popped up in through that create that creative area, which is where it comes from often, isn't it? That yeah, sort absolutely. of rediscovery of uh, the yeah. suppressed and and the the only place where it's kind of relatively safe to show because oh, they're just artists over there, you know. Totally, and I, and I guess this was the difficulty for structured religion was that people are naturally inclined and have you know the ability to access these realms, mm. and and as you just. Uh, inferred it can be helped along quite well by substances sometimes mm. so it was going to happen anyway mm. uh, and and so it created an ongoing 
problem for structured religion that still hasn't been resolved really. Things like uh, Taylor Coldridge's famous poem Kubla Khan in Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree where Alf the sacred river ran down to a sunless sea and this was uh, basically written Kubla Khan on an intense laudanum induced dream but also um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning largely depended on laudanum to function. Lord Byron's daughter, the celebrated mathematician, uh, Ada Lovelace, claimed laudanum cla- uh, calm to overactive mind. So, you know, they were onto something there. That's right. It's interesting sources. how this stuff starts to influence, as you were talking about earlier, with moving into the tribal state and the mythology mm. started to come out of that and what sort of animistic characteristics we were putting into that. Mm. What happens now with our mythologies, which I would argue are starting to be played out now within television and video games and the movies, mm. um, but just general paradigm when we introduce quantum mechanics to the realm and shake out after over the, you know roughly a hundred years now um, on what that's doing to our understanding of complexity and states of being. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question mm. and, and very relevant to to layer six and. Uh, if we look at the the Tai Chi two, the Tai Chi symbol, you know, mm-hmm. with the yin and the yang, and and when you reach the maximum of one, the seed of the other is born, and and I can see that that's kind of happened. What during the scientific industrial era, we, we reached the the maximum of the suppression and ignorance and rejection of our natural tendency to want to access and be able to access these things, and within the sort of quantum mechanics realm of science, the seed was born of of the possibility of reconnecting everything back together, and mm-hmm. and so as we've moved into layer six, I mean naturally when we move from one of these value systems to the next we tend to reject whatever came before Mm. and so we can see now that there's a lot of rejection of the materialism uh, in particular Mm -hmm. um, and and often mostly from a sort of um, physical you know perspective looking at the accumulation of money and the spending of money and that kind of thing but just generally materialism uh, and its tendency to ignore discount anything that's not physical Mm. Uh, it's interesting how, I just think also how alcohol has become such, uh, you know, the the altered consciousness substance of choice in most of our societies in the last hundred years or so, and that is now seeming to begin to pass away in some areas, which I'm sure you'll talk about too. Yeah, absolutely, and I, there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, mm. I guess industrialisation made made it possible yes. to mass produce those sorts of things and distribute them, so that's a factor. But generally, in Graves' writing around the use of drugs and values... Uh, yeah. He didn't write too much about it, but uh, from what he wrote, it's, it seems possible that the that alcohol may be particularly connected to layer four because it kind of dulls the senses. Uh, and it's it's good, you know, if people feel discouraged or whatever, they go and have a few drinks mm. to kind of, you know, dull their... And they do feel connected senses. in that side of, of uh, they, the spiral model. They, they, they feel connected to community through the drinking yeah. of alcohol too. So there is that That's right. So the, use the, of it. The idea of having to wait a long time to be rewarded in layer four, mm. you know, was a good reason to kind of have a few drinks at the end of the week because you've got to wait another 39 years to get your gold watch, that kind of thing, you know. You're um, still on about the gold watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for it. Yeah, we're, 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 whereas um, in layer five, which tended to be more a sort of a striving, driving type of energy, the tendency was to stimulant drugs. Yeah. Uh, more so like uh, cocaine, cocaine and that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. Yes. 
Um, and then, of course, as we move into layer six, we're going through a heart opening process and we're, we're leaning towards things that open our heart, like uh, MDMA and, and those sorts of uh, substances. But it's not all about the drugs. That's right. You know, it's, there are many, many different ways of accessing these realms, including simply sleeping and um, meditating and those sorts of things. <laughs> sleeping. Um, but what's happened in layer six is we've become, we've rejected the materialism. Uh, we're looking back to try and, in the early stages of layer six, to try and remember how we do community so we're looking back to layer four and also layer two strong influence a strong interest rather in layer two in particular tribal ways and people are exploring revisiting those you know trying out the plant medicines that the tribal people still use because you know there are still societies that are operating from that uh, value set quite very very successfully um, and just the openness, the possibility that maybe all of these things are connected in a network somehow and, you know, your God is maybe my God, but you're just talking a different language to mm. her or him or whatever. Which I guess is also part of the return to Indigenous wisdom, the sort of rediscovery and the, yes. the, the deepening into uh, into that area of, of thought and, and, and beingness on the planet. Yeah, so the network to nature of Layer 6, mm. you know, one way to look at that is it's about connecting the dots, you know, looking at all the different pieces and all the different practices and how, how are they connected, how can we connect them, you know, how can we bring them together somehow. Mm. And what we're faced with is, with is the legacy of the moral and legal restrictions that have been put in place by Layer 4 and Layer 5, which have disconnected us from these direct experience methods of multidimensional contact. Uh, and, of course, that's playing itself out at the moment with the, the opposition against the war on drugs and all of those sorts of things, and looks like the drugs are winning. <laughs> it's not all well, about we that. prefer to it's call them about the, the drugs, really. <laughs> well, we call them the medicines, if it would be a better word for them, because, as, as you know, listeners to this show and uh, to many others, that uh, that area of, uh, of research and discovery and experimentation is, is well on the way to showing great efficacy for many of these substances for... Uh, mental health conditions which are endemic on the planet in so many places in so many ways now so a, a great relief seems to be available to us and it's about a, with this battle that, against the regulation and, and uh, the way that the structures have been put in place in the last couple hundred years or so and that's right and one particular thing that's happening through that research is we're reintroducing a spiritual element to mm. medicine and healing mm. right which has been lost particularly in layer five yeah yeah and that's that's obviously proving very successful and as we've mentioned on the show previously some of the research is saying that the depth and uh, impact of the spiritual aspect during these research sessions is directly relevant to the amount of healing that takes place. Yes. So the, the stronger the spiritual experience, the more the healing actually takes place. And more people seem to be available to that idea, but it's still very resisted in other sections. It's, it's, it's a very challenging and uh, a concept to realign to or to begin to align to, but obviously many people are. Exactly, and, and again, it comes down to the values and, mm. and perhaps the most important important thing that's happening during the emergence of layer six and that you know layer six brings is this rebuilding of grassroots skills of how to connect to multi-dimensional multi-dimensional realms mm, yeah. yeah we'll take a break here on future senses 1032 here on bay fm 999 and if you're listening via the web at bayfm.org or via our podcasts through futuresense.it or your your platform that you use you're on bay fm You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.